everybody, we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about how Japan may be stealth reopening little by little. Finally. We're going to talk about how the head of judo in Japan says Putin's a dick. It's exact words. That's exact quotes. Really? No. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the demolition of the, the famous Nanking, Nanging Capsule Tower in Tokyo. We're going to talk about electric chopsticks that make things taste like salt. Is that a good thing? Maybe. And finally, we're going to talk about a luxury train in Japan that cost $10,000. Roll that intro. So this intro, right? I've been thinking about it. What do you think about this intro? Kind of long? Too short? I, I mean, it's shorter than it used to be. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's got like us doing stuff. You're not even in it. No, I'm not. It's got like shit with like Hayato and like maybe it's not Hayato. Maybe Hayato's not in it anymore. Alex, Alex is in and it. Natsuki and me. We're yep. just doing random stuff. Yeah, I think right now it's like flipping between all the episodes. Yeah, and then it like turns white and then we're all red at the end. Yeah. Just stop and make a different one. We need to make a, a commercial for the channel. Yeah, I've actually been meaning to do that. We should do that today. <laughs> Let's do that today. Today? I'll just say some stupid crap and be like, do not subscribe to this channel. We're a bunch of idiots. And Sounds then good. everybody's going to subscribe to our channel. That's how it works. Hopefully. No one does what they're told. They always do the opposite of it. Okay, then don't subscribe. Don't subscribe and don't be a patron and don't listen to us. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Did you ever play that game when you were a kid, like opposite day? Yeah. Today's opposite day. I feel like it was always a Wednesday. It's always a Wednesday. Yeah, like Wednesday was opposite day. Can I complain about something really quick? I mean, it's not like I ever complain on the show, but can I complain about something really quick? Of course. So I posted something on Instagram the other, uh, the other day. By the way, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Mitch number four Prez, P-R-E-S, Mitch for president, Mitch for Prez. Yes. Don't actually follow me on Instagram. I'm, I don't post anything. I'm kind of stupid. But anyway, I posted this picture because I like I went out for my birthday dinner like last uh, this last week on Monday. And there's like this new tower here where we are. And it's like you can go all the way up to the roof. And like I took a picture up there and I just I just took a picture and posted on Instagram. It's just me standing against the glass window. And yeah. I posted it. OK, I saw it. My staff finds this picture and she's like, oh, my God, this is exactly like another post that you had. Where, so I was, so I live in the south of Japan with this guy. We live in the same house. We, we sleep in the same, same bed. I was not aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we live in the south of Japan, right? My high school car, when I was in high school, I had a, I had a 1995 fire engine red Pontiac Grand Am. You don't even know what Pontiac is anymore because it doesn't exist, but it's like Pontiac Grand Am. I understood red and car from okay. that statement. <laughs> it was an amazing car at the time, okay? It was 2.3 liters or something like that, straight four. It was ridiculously not fast, but it looked like it was really fast. Okay. Randomly, I saw the exact same car that I had in high school and subsequently crashed spectacularly when I was like 18. I saw that car rolling down the street in Japan like a year ago and I took a picture of it. Really? Yeah, it was nuts. I was like... Dude, just imagine, because like, dude, I'm old, right? Imagine your high school car that you were driving since you were 16 years old just randomly rolls down the street in Japan. And it's the same color, it's the same year, it's the same model. And some old Japanese lady is driving it. I'm like, what the fuck? So I took a picture of it, right? Right. And I go to my yearbook, because I have those still, because I'm weird. And I find uh, an article in my yearbook where we're all, all the seniors are standing next to their cars and we talk about our cars. It's like the senior car section. This is so American, guys. But anyway. And I'm sitting next to that car that I had when I was 16, 17, 18. 
and then subsequently crashed. By the way, I'm going to talk about how I crashed that car because it's actually really funny. And um, anyway, so I the, the, the pose that I'm standing in in my yearbook 21 years ago is the exact same pose that I was standing in in my freshly uploaded for my birthday picture this week, which was completely random. And then my staff, they she uploads like a screenshot of both of them on Instagram. And it says like, it says Keem Putze. So like in both pictures, I have fake blonde hair. Yeah. Okay. It says Keem Putze and it says Kakoske. What, what would that be? Kakoske is like, it's like trying to look good, cool. Trying to act cool. And then it says like, I have like a, like a posed face and my legs are posed. Cause like my, one of my legs kind of kicked over the other one. Yeah. And they both pictures look exactly the same. Yeah, they do. They look exactly the same. And it says at the bottom, it says 21 years later and nothing's changed. And I'm like, stop taking the piss out of me, man. You look like a Backstreet Boy. In your... Dude, it was the Backstreet Boy era back then. <laughs> That's, that was the time. It was cool. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So I'm not going to get into the, all the details of how I crashed my car, but I just want to talk about the thing that I was supposed to do that day that prevented me, what I got prevented from doing because I crashed my car because I was, I was being stupid. I was supposed to go to the Las Vegas Convention Center and drive a bus full of Japanese porn stars. Really? That's what I was going to do. Because my mom was like translating for them. She's a, she, she used to be a translator, right? Okay. So she was like translating for these porn star people. Because like we have the porn convention in Vegas. I'm saying all the words to get us demonetized, by the way. And so we have the porn convention in Vegas. And so all these, these people came from Japan. Like all, all of them, like they're there. And like, we had like buses of them and I was supposed to go drive one of them because I could speak Japanese, right? Kind of. And I was like, whoa, this is going to be so much fun. And I was like talking on the phone. And I was at that time I was smoking. I was talking on the phone, smoking a cigarette and driving. And it was not good. And I got into a big accident. Man, you missed your in. That was your way into the business. I know. And instead of like hanging out with porn stars, I had to go to the hospital and get a fucking tetanus shot. Thank God for my, that car, I'm telling you. I crashed it at 70 miles an hour straight into a fucking uh, a concrete barrier. It actually was a mechanical failure. The, the, the brake locked. I had just got the brake ch changed. But I could have probably saved it if I was like paying attention. But I wasn't paying attention and I braked a little bit and it started to spin and I overreacted and that caused more. Anyway, straight into a concrete barrier at 70 miles an hour, which is how many kph is that? A lot. Whatever. At least 70. At least 70. <laughs> More than, it's like 150 kph. And, uh, and I walked away with, uh, with a bloody lip from the, from the airbag. That's it. And a, and a, and a bruise from my seatbelt. Well, I'm glad you lived and could live another 21 years. So, so could I could employ you. <laughs> yeah. So I could have a job. <laughs> no, like seriously. So I, I, was, I was on my way to go hang out with porn, Japanese porn stars when I was 18 years old. Thanks, mom. And uh, I screwed it up. So anyway. That's the story of me standing. Anyways, if you guys go to my, if you, uh, it'll be gone because that's a story. But if you go I'll, to, I'll, I'll probably put it into the video podcast. In the, in the, please, yeah. please, please do. Uh, anyway, let's get to the news. Uh, before we get to the news, let's talk about you. You, you're moving. Yeah, I'm like in the middle of moving. I, I woke up at six o'clock this morning to really? start. Yeah. Oh, by the way, today's show is also sponsored by McDonald's. We're, 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 we're drinking McDonald's iced coffees. It's just so easy. Just app it in. Pick it up. You spilled a little bit. You should. Shit. Clean that. Freaking McDonald's. You suck at putting lids on. Anyway, you know how like Starbucks is all being environmental and they're not like giving you lids or anything? Mac, McDonald's is like, fuck the world. And just like plastic everything. I mean, at least their cups, cups are, are paper. paper. Yeah. Anyway, so how's moving? Uh, I mean, it's pretty tiring to be honest. And if you, uh, I, I actually don't know what moving is like in America because I 
You don't know. You 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 didn't adult while you were. Yeah, in America. I didn't adult in America. So <laughs> like, I don't know if it's the same in America, but moving is expensive in Japan. Oh, it's not the same. In, uh, okay, in, uh, there's two types of moving in America. There's like moving in the same city, which generally I think most Americans go and rent a U-Haul, get their fr- friends and family out, and then move. Yeah, it's like probably the most general way of doing it. But if you ask, if you're doing cross country, like if your job moves you or something like that, you have to order a moving company. And that can be pretty expensive because it's it's usually freighted out on either a train or a, or a truck. Well, for me, it's mostly the, uh, what do you call it? The key money? Is that what it's called? Like the, Shikikin. Yeah, it's key money. That, it's like really expensive. It's usually Japan. three times rent. And they'll tell you in the advertisements, they're like, there's no depositor Shikikin, but for some reason there always is. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, like my deposit was over $1,000. How much was your total like first month like payment? With for everything for the first month payment and everything, it was like like almost four thousand dollars. It's about right. It's about right. Yeah, I mean, I like the place and it's good and everything. But the only thing I don't really like is the deposit. Uh, if you're ever gonna move to Japan or you're planning on moving to a new place, this is something you should probably know. If you move into a room that has tatami, the what what is it bamboo? Floor? No, no, it's just called tatami. What? What is it? Is it just tatami, tatami. tatami. Yeah. Okay, well, if you move anywhere that has tatami, uh, they always take it out when you move, and that costs a lot of money. You can request that they don't do that. But, like, what do you call it? Like, after uh, you move, okay, after living there. So, so follow me on this one. Okay. Depending on depending on the the company, you can tell them leave it alone because the previous person's already paid for it. Okay. To be refreshed. Okay. Okay. When you give them the money, you're paying for when you move out it to be refreshed, right? I guess so. Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? So if you tell them to leave the tatami from the previous owner exactly the way it is, don't change it. Sometimes you don't have to pay that money. Because really? the, the previous tenant just pays for the next person. I see. Well, I wish I knew that tip like three weeks ago. Super pro tip. Don't move into places with tatami. Fuck tatami. It's, it's, yeah. I'm sorry. Look, if you're, if you're like trying to like, like go visit a Jokan, a Japanese inn and experience the Japanese lifestyle for a day. Cool. Tatami's awesome. Living in a place with tatami is garbage. Every time I've ever had tatami, I've just carpeted over it. Yeah. That's what we're planning on doing. But it'll rot. No, but they have like uh, it's like fake wood flooring that you can put over it now. That it's like you're gonna specifically for you're gonna have to follow directions on it because like you, I think you have to put down some sort of like powder or talcum or something like that. I forgot what it is, but you, if you just put something over it, it'll mold. Yeah. So be careful. Tatami is hot garbage to live with. It's just like tatami is this woven like it's like a it's like a straw and it's like woven tightly woven woven together and compacted into like these straw mats. And it's, it, it is, it smells great in the summer. It looks really cool because it's Japanese, but you can't put anything on it. You can't put furniture on it because it'll destroy it. Well, I mean, it's all going to be removed anyway. So yeah. But the thing is, is if you, if you put like rolling chairs on it, for example, it'll slowly like destroy the tatami. The tatami will get in everything. It'll like mm-hmm. go in your socks and stuff. It's yeah. hot garbage. I hate tatami. Anyway, but anyway, yeah. how's moving? So, so good. Yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm a little I'm a little sleepy, but I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> that's what the me and me and the crew for. are going fishing tomorrow, and you're gonna be moving. Sorry. Yeah, I I, I would rather go fishing, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a new fridge and some stuff tomorrow. So, um, pro tip on the fridge thing, you, unless you guys are like looking for like a smart fridge or something like that, I would get a used fridge. Yeah, we're probably gonna go look at a secondhand. Yeah, so. because fridges, things that don't have like moving components in them, used is fine. The thing that you don't want to buy used is a washing machine. 
No, we already have one. We're okay. Fine. Okay. Anyway. All right. Let's get to the news. Japan stealth reopening. Parents of foreign residents get okay to visit. So we've talked about this several times in the show. The government is just going to slowly reopen. Yep. Bit by bit and not tell anybody about it. If you watch any kind of uh, variety TV in Japan, yeah. like literally every week when I watch like the same show now, or like, let's say a year ago, all the guests would be like a few meters apart from each other. And there are big glass, uh, the, the acrylic partitions yeah, in between them every week. They're getting closer and closer and closer. And the, the acrylic is getting like smaller and smaller boiling frog yeah i'm telling you it's a boiling frog like, like i i just saw it on tv yesterday and i was like i didn't even notice it at first i was like oh wow they're like almost next to each other <laughs> so yesterday i went on a poster like handout campaign so i like went to like 17 bars yesterday met like 150,000 people oh great <laughs> <laughs> like for me i think that the pandemic's just done like you look at pictures of america people are like we don't give a fuck i mean yeah. like the omicron we're gonna get to it but the it's just it's just the thing is the Japanese are super, once they get doing something, they're really, like we were talking about with the, the vaccine rollout, yeah. once they get on it, they're, they do it. The yeah. thing is, is like, so think of the Japanese as like a train, right? It's really easy to, once you start it going, it's going to keep going. It's really hard to turn. Yeah. So that's the problem with the Japanese society is once they got their mind set on something, it's really hard to change that. Right. So when you say, all right, we don't need masks anymore. They're like, I want my mask. It's comforting. It's normal. It's the same. <laughs> but at the same time, if someone official says like, this is what we're doing, then like most people will do it. Yeah, yeah. But they they have to prepare them for that. There's like the lead up to it. It's not instantaneous. Unless it's like something shocking like Ukraine, where like all of Japan is like, you know, we're with Ukraine basically. Yeah. That, that can happen. But with stuff like this that you need to convince the people, they like, it's like a propaganda thing over and over and over again. Anyway, so the, the technicalities on this is basically family members within first degree of kinship, meaning like, you know, nuclear family people can come and hang out and like spend time with their parents, their children, whatever. Family members who need to take care of a resident in Japan can come hang out. Family members visiting a resident of Japan who is near death. That's sad. Family members who need to accompany minors or those who cannot travel on their own due to illness or other reasons. All these people are okayed to land. Come on over. We're waiting in Kagoshima. No, that's, that's, not, that's not tourism. If you're, you're just come yeah, to help out sick grandma and then you bring her to Kagoshima. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a good place to be. <laughs> I'm glad that you said good place to be. <laughs> yeah, good place to live. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 30,000 foreign students entered Japan since COVID border curves ease. So around 30,000 foreign students have arrived in Japan since March when the government eased COVID-19 border uh, controls. Education minister, whatever your name is, said Tuesday. Japan's long-running and stringent border controls drew fierce criticism from impacted students and academics ahead of the April start of the school year. So even though the school year has started... They're just now going, okay, maybe you can come in. I mean, better late than never. Yeah, it's it's really, yeah. Then meanwhile, by the way, I one of my, our former part-time employees, she's like American University, comes back to Japan. When they went online, she came back to Japan. Yeah. And then when they went off online, she went back to America. She's like moving back and forth. No, no one, she visited for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, you've said this before, but Japanese people are completely free to go wherever well, they want right now. technically, I am as well. Well, any any resident so is. So am I, yes. Well, you're technically Japanese. I am. You buffalo. Oh, that's just a nickname from a long time ago. 
Chinese man gets uh, first skilled worker visa with no time limit. This is kind of a misleading headline, but let me read it to you. 35-year-old Chinese man has become... I don't know why they're so... like They want to say Chinese so much in this article. Became, they should just say a non-Japanese person, right? Became the first person to be granted a resident status that effectively allows foreign, foreign blue-collar workers to stay in Japan indefinitely. The infrastructure ministry and supporting organization said uh, Thursday. Everybody said something on Thursday. The system allows foreigners with certain Japanese language and vocational skills to apply for a resident status called a specified skilled worker number one. Uh, which grants working rights to 14 sectors such as construction, farming, nursing for up to five years. This guy, proficient laborers in two se uh, sectors, construction and shipbuilding, it's so random, can, uh, can further extend their stay by uh, earning the spec specified skill worker number two status. Say that five times fast. Uh, it allows holders to bring in family members and has no limit on the number of times that they can renew their visa. So it's not an unlimited visa. It's, an un it's, a, it's, not, it's not like an endless cup of beer it's like unlimited refills so you yeah. still have to like reapply Refill, yeah. every five years but you can do it unlimitedly so I, that's cool i mean it's better than like the system that we have before like i i am lucky enough you said before but i am a japanese, japanese citizen. citizen but i've seen the hassle that like all of the other teachers have to go through in order to like just live and work here it's so weird because I'm actually the one that's like giving them their visas. Yeah. And I'm not technically Japanese citizen. I'm just a, a what is it called? Permanent resident. Wait, there is. I, I have a related story. Do you? Popul uh, population. That's what, that's what I was looking for. Go for that. Okay, so uh, on that topic, mm -hmm. Japan's population falls by record 644,000 to 125.5 million in 2021. So this is the largest population drop that Japan's had on record. Uh, and a big part of it is because of uh, foreign nationals leaving Japan and more not being able to come to Japan. So the number of foreigners that have left Japan in uh, 2021 is 25,000, which is... Yeah, so they're only they're wow, there are fewer than three million foreigners in Japan right well, now. Well, it's it used to be around one to two percent of the population, depending on you know various factors, but now it's far less than you know one percent. Yeah, it's about one. <coughs> yeah, a little under one percent, I think, or whatever it is. Yeah, and so and that's you know when we when we think of foreign residents, we usually think of like you know English teachers or you know yeah. professionals, but most of those foreign people, if you look at the demographic breakdown of the foreign residents, there are a lot of laborers from other companies, do, uh, countries doing things like farming and things like that, which is great that you know Japan is giving those people you know an opportunity to come here and work, and I think that we should see more of that because the instead what we're actually seeing is that, for example, the field of nursing, okay? Japan is is like famously understaffed when it comes to nursing because there's so many geriatric, that's not a great word. There's so many older people in the country who are retiring and need assistance, right? Right. So when you when you require assistant living, there's an assistant, okay? right? <laughs> right? If you don't, if your population, if all the old people are the, 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 the biggest group, the younger people can't support that. So you need to import help. So there was all this back and forth about importing, for example, Filipino nurses, which a lot of countries do because, you know, they, they have pretty good uh, education in, in the Philippines. And so what people that were against this idea did, which was so stupid, was they created uh, a like a test, a nursing exam for the, for the Filipino nurse, not Filipino, but any, anybody really coming in from foreign countries. 
And uh, it was more of a language test than it was an actual nursing test. So they deliberately made it language difficult. I see. So if you're not, if you're not Japanese, you're not going to pass it, basically. I wonder which is harder, the uh, test to, like, one of those kind of tests in Japan or, like, the test to get a green card in America? Because, like, you need to know, like, American history and stuff like that. Oh, no, that's a, it's not a hard test. It's just, it's like, I think it's like 100 questions or something. It's not that hard. You got to learn the government, know the history, say the Pledge of Allegiance or something like that. It's not, it's not that hard. What I'm talking about with this nursing exam is, like, 50 pages of, like, it looks like Chinese or so much kanji in it. So something that like the average Japanese person would not be able to pass. No, no, not not at all. And so like the your your typical they were saying that typical Japanese nurses couldn't even pass it. Hmm, that seems not very fair. No, and they were giving it to all these like foreign nurses. And so what happened? None of these fucking people passed. Right. And so like nurse sh- shortage, and all these people are opposing foreign immigrants, and you got old people that don't have care. So it's like, what the fuck is your solution to this? And they're like, well, you don't care. That's the problem. And it's all these, if you look at the diet, if you look at the, the, the government in Japan, just turn on your, uh, we can do it on here, turn on your TV. For you guys at home, watch it on YouTube. Look around the room. It's like a retirement home. Yeah. I mean, like you, dude, the, the, the technology ministry, head of the ministry of technology, I think he's gone now. He was like, I, I'm extremely secure. A cybersecurity head is what he was. He's like, I'm incredibly secure because I don't have a computer. I don't even know how to use one. It's like, what the fuck are you doing in the job for? <laughs> Anyway, uh, Japan's uh, fiscal fiscal year 2020 greenhouse gas emissions hit fresh record low. Japan's greenhouse gas, emis- gas emissions hit a fresh low in fiscal 2020 for the third straight year due to the reduced economic activity amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the ministry cited lower energy consumption caused by reduced production by manufacturers and a decrease in passenger and freight traffic amid the pandemic as factors contributing to the emissions cuts. Was Do it you- zero, zero emissions by 2050 or something like that yeah we keep what we do is we keep making goals in a year that's not like close to now yeah and then when that gets a little closer then we make the goal further away (laughs) (laughs) and it's not it's not cute because one of my favorite youtubers guys if you if you guys uh uh haven't seen his channel it's called climate town it's a it's basically like a grad student who like learned you know he's like I think he studied like environmental, the environmental or something like that. I forgot what he did. But anyway, he, he talks about climate change, basically. It's called Climate Town. And he's like kind of a comedian. So he teaches you about it in a really funny way. He actually completely changed my view on gas stoves. Okay. What's your stand now? So before I was like, fuck induction. I was like, I hate electric stoves. That's garbage. And then after, because like, you know, there's like the campaign in America, like, you know, we're cooking with gas. We need gas to cook, right? And after watching his like 15 minute spiel on it, I was like, fuck gas. It's horrible for everybody. Totally changed my mind on it. And I actually don't, I don't hate in, uh, IH, is a induction heating. Yeah. I don't actually hate it. It actually works hella faster than, than, than gas does. The only reason why I prefer gas stoves is like you can see the flame. So you can actually like kind of, for me, someone who is, spend so much time in the kitchen and actually trained how to do everything it's easier for me to tell like if it's hot enough for what i want to do yeah but you can do that with a once you get used to your induction stove i think you can do that with that as well anyway but the point is is like after i watched it i was like holy shit and then this whole thing with russia and ukraine right has there like a huge natural gas exporter like you're we're buying gas from bad people to cook with it on our stuff i mean like if restaurants and like professionals want to use gas i get it okay cool but if you're like if you're just all the homes across the world, if we all went electric, that would save so much CO2 emissions. Mm. Right. Anyway, we're not even talking about that. What are we talking about? Oh, Japan. 
Japan tilts towards Hiroshima as G7 summit location for 2023 sources. Okay. Josh looked up what the G- G7 means. What does it mean? Group of seven. Group of seven. Then there's, well, there's G7, there's G8, G20. I think there's also, there are like a bunch of Gs. <laughs> there's a G12 as well or something like that. I don't know. But so G7, G8, the difference being it was Italy. Uh, no, it was Russia. Russia. Okay. So, so G7 has no Russia. G8 does have Russia. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Japan is considering Hiroshima as one of the uh, one of the two atomic bomb Japanese cities in World War II as the most viable location to host the summit uh, of the Group of Seven. This is G7 Group of Seven Nations next year under its presidency. Government sources said Friday, the choice of Hiroshima is seen as fitting to stress the importance of peace after Russia's aggression in Ukraine and its threat of using nuclear weapons. The source said. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't think it's really going to change anything that Putin's planning. I like, I don't know. He just seems like he's in his own world. Yeah. Dude, like, I, we were talking about this on a, on a previous show, but like, you know, all the people who were directly involved in the two atomic bombings, the people that were on the ground during the actual bombings, right? right. They're all fading out of memory. Right. So that terrible, that terrible, those bombings right mm-hmm. is that slowly fading out of memory right right so like you know the kids of the kids who did drop the bombs might drop more bombs and that's just you know and the thing is is like you guys this is i've said this before on the show just google it the hiroshima and nagasaki bombs right little what is it fat man and little boy or whatever it was those two bombs were like a joke compared to what current nuclear weapons do yeah i I don't know the website off of off of the top of my head, but there's a website that like shows you comparisons of how big a uh, nuke would be, and it has like all the different nukes that exist in the world, and it shows all the way up you to the Tsar Tsar Bomba. Yeah, and so like the old uh, what do you call it? The one that hit like Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, and Nagasaki. Like you look at the size, and you're like, wow, that's devastating. Like, well, let's look at some of the recent ones, and it's like like a thousand times bigger. And the, there's there's this uh it's an API website that uses Google Maps. You can yeah, cho- yeah, yeah. You choose, can choose the, and then yeah choose where. And so like I would just put it over like New York. Yeah. And you like you you put it on the the top. I mean the Tsar Bomba it doesn't exist anymore. I mean that was a stupid. That was during the Cold War when both countries America and Russia were making bigger and bigger nukes to try to scare each other. And the Tsar, Tsar Bomba is so ridiculously big and the blast is so ridiculously big that it's like there's no real delivery method for it yeah like the only reason why it worked is i think they either dropped it or they just left it on the ground and ran away from it <laughs> right but like there's no real <laughs> Can del- you even run away from no it? <laughs> that's the thing is there's no practical delivery method for it because it's so stupid but anyway there's video footage of the tsar Bomba being detonated on youtube you look at it and you just you just think to yourself you're like we are smart enough to make this and stupid enough to use it yeah that's the problem that's the problem and you know they always they always say the great filter okay the great filter why aren't we being contacted by all these com- like intelligent aliens out there because our world is a reality tv show and they're watching us fuck no they're not watching us they're just watching me it's my show i'm on the truman show you're just like a paid actor it's not- <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, but like the great filter is like, why aren't there all, why isn't the universe brimming with intelligent life? Well, there might be a great filter, meaning that mm. life might get to a certain point and then exterminate itself. Uh, and some people feel that that might be nuclear weapons. Some people feel that it might be climate change. They're just, you know, who knows? But it's called the great filter. And then that's one of the question marks. And so, uh, so like, you know, here we are. I think Russia has 60,000 nukes or something or 6,000 nukes or something stupid like that. I forgot what it was. I think they have double, you can look it up. They have double the, the nukes of the United States and like in an, a crazy person at the, at the trigger, you know, like we, we have way more nukes than we have like service area of the earth to bomb. 6,000. 6,000. And so like, so they have 6,000. America, I think has 3,500 or something like that. France has the bomb. England has the bomb. The, the, the Israelis have the bomb. Don't forget North Korea. North you saw Korea. that video. North Korea also has sick. a very cool slick, uh, North Korea copyright claimed us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got copyright claimed by North Korea. Yeah. We put their propaganda film in our, our uh, YouTube video and they straight up said, yeah, they copyright claimed us. <laughs> They're like, all, all money that you make from this video. Oh wait, we're funding North Korea. Maybe that. No, there's no way. No, there's no way. There's no way. Right, Google? You're not giving money to North Korea, right? Hope not. Dude, have you ever seen like when the tourists like sneak into North Korea and they're just like they're filming everything secretly? It's so yeah, weird. It is so weird. Anyway, speaking of war, Japan to strengthen defense ties amid China-Russia worries. J uh, Japanese Defense Minister Nobu Kishi said that he and his Italian counterpart agreed Tuesday to step up military cooperation as Japan uh, expands security ties with Europe amid, does it say amid twice in this? Uh, concerns about Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its impact on Asia. Yeah, I'm going to struggle with some, I don't know Italian guys. Gurini, who is visiting Tokyo, especially uh, expressed an interest in possible Italian participation in Japan's FX, next generation fighter jet, Kishida said, declining to elaborate. <laughs> okay. It would be Japan's first dom domestically developed fighter jet in 40 years. Because like, most countries, basically, fighter jets are made by America. I think the 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 Swedes have a, a, a jet, and then like the Russians and the Chinese. I think that's basically it. Maybe there's a couple more countries. And basically, what America does is America puts its big arm around its friends and says, "We love you so much. We're going to sell you all of our weapons tech. By the way, you're going to have to buy our weapons tech. No, no, no. Don't locally or domestically produce any weapons tech. Mm. Buy it from our American conglomerate companies." Yeah. And that's how that works. Cool. Anyway, so Japan's going to try to make their own locally produced fighter jet because like when it comes to engineering, when it comes to making something mechanical, Japanese can do it no problem. Trains, cars, you know, that's why that's why what do they say? Like you want the you want your cars designed to be designed in Italy, but you want the engine to be produced in Japan or Germany. You don't you don't want the Italians to produce the engine. Right? Because it, it's like the culture needs to be very, very like specific and rule based. Right. And so those people are really good at making engines. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of cool that they're gonna make a, a, a plane. I don't know. Do we need do 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 aircraft do anything in conventional wars anymore? I mean like I don't I, I don't know anything about wars. I don't know. All right, let's go to a fun story. Let's get off the we're gonna go we're gonna get off the war and get back to the war. So West Japan City says tourism princess can now be of any gender. So in Japan, uh, most is it cities or prefectures? A, a lot of municipalities. 
Okay. So it's like not city. It's like, like for example, we have one in here. We have three. Um, one's like Amami Oshima. It's like an island. Right. So it's just like, like whatever municipality you want to make a princess for. Yeah. So they have like these uh, mascots. They're basically. Yeah, they're basically mascots. They wear like gloves and like these dresses and these hats, and then they go to special events and they wave and stuff like that. My friend is one of those in Kakushima City, actually, right now. Really? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm not really sure what she does, though. Yeah, they, they just they just appear in places and like you know, whatever. But uh, a Western Japan city that has held annual contests to recruit single woman princesses to serve as tourism ambassadors will drop the gender requirements. From this year, in a move organizers say comes out of consideration for the changing times. That's a very progressive Japan. <laughs> well, okay. So I read that article, right? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, is this progressive or is this just relearning something that they, they did before? Because Japan actually, way back in the day, they had transgendered people and they were completely part of society. <clears throat> it wasn't until like the westernification of Japan that that became kind of a taboo thing for, you know, suddenly. Mm. And then now we're kind of going back to that. I mean, cause like, dude, like the whole idea of like new Hafu or like lady boys, all that stuff that like really kind of like was spearheaded by Asia before it went to the West. Like that, that's existed here. It's existed in a lot of cultures for a long time. Right. Right. And so that, and, and those people, I mean, I don't want to define them as trans cause they, they can define themselves, but that is kind of like a, you know, a trans thing. And, uh, I forgot which culture was, it might've been Japan. I might be wrong about this, but some culture used to like revere transgendered people because they were, they were thought to be like in possession of both spirits. I think that might have been Japan. I could be wrong about that. I think it might be Japan. I've heard this before too. Yeah, maybe. Don't quote us on that one. <laughs> That's a very fuzzy fact right there. But anyways, it is uh, Kashihara in Nara Prefecture. Yeah. And so the requirements now are, uh, it's open to anyone age 18 or over who lives, studies, or work, uh, lives, studies, or works in the prefecture, excluding high schoolers. And it will also drop the single status requirements. So I guess before you had to be single. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. I mean, because it's, you know, it's changing times, right? So like, so my, I've, my, my feelings on the whole trans thing has just constantly being involved in the last, like, you know, five, six years. Like I remember kind of thinking like, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to pay attention to this. Like it's, it doesn't concern me. But then I saw this like Ted talk where like, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but a trans, I don't know if she's trans. I think she's like, she's born with like mixed up like chromosomes and like her, her sexual identity is kind of like not sexual. Her sex identity is like question mark. Hmm. And like once I saw her stand up and her, her talk, that's when I started thinking, I was like, okay, I think that we need to just kind of like make our categories more blurry. Right. Cause like not every human being fits into these two categories right because they don't like biologically sometimes they don't right right and so like okay so if we if we consider that then we have to consider okay well if that doesn't work biologically then our gender because remember sex and gender aren't the same thing right right so maybe our gender categories need to be blurred a little bit and so once you start thinking about that you're like well is it all just a construct and it kind of is gender is just kind of all of a construct and so i was just like and then I went all the way back to, I don't care. Everybody should just be free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always kind of in my sound. Like if someone tells me they identify something, I'm just like, okay, you do you. Like, There's this huge kerfuffle in America about this, uh, uh, this trans male to female swimmer who was competing in a, in women's, uh, swimming. And like 
her transition was recent. Mm. So like physically, if you look at her, she's got like the bone structure and, and the muscles of, of, of a male. Right. And so there's like all this kerfuffle about, is this fair? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson that said it. He's like, he, someone challenged him on that or something like that. And he said, it's like, I'm more concerned or more interested in thinking about why do we divide sports by gender or by sex? Mm. Maybe we should be having that conversation and not talking about the, the very, very small population of transgender athletes. Because that's like a fraction of a fraction. It's such a small amount of people. Um, and so, and I was like thinking about that. I was like, that's right. Why? I mean, like, it does make sense on some levels. Like, I remember there's like a big debate over like tennis players, for example. And like, I think it was, don't quote me on this. I think it was Serena Williams or somebody was like talking about how even the top female tennis players, if they go into the men's league, they'll be like third rank or fourth rank. They can't even get anywhere near the top rank, uh, ranks of, of, of male athletes in tennis. Mm. And the, like the female athletes will admit that they're like, yeah, yeah, it's just a different world. And so that does exist. Right. But that doesn't always exist all the time. So for example, like if you, if I play tennis against like Naomi Osaka, for example, I'm going to get my fucking ass kicked because I don't know how to play tennis. Right. Obviously. Right. So like, it's not a hundred percent. All women are inferior to all men. So that doesn't really make sense as a, as a category. Does that make sense? Yeah. So maybe we should divide sports into just like ability leagues instead of gender leagues. Yeah. I mean. It was, it was one of the things that we're talking yeah. about. And that's one of the debates that I would be very interested in having is like, why do we divide sports the way that we do? Like, does it make sense? Is it relevant in today's world? Not, I don't, I'm not interested in shitting on, you know, trans athletes. Like that's, who, who does that benefit, right? right? If you think that, that it's unfair, well, let's think about why we do the things that we do. Because a lot of, a lot of these topics, like, oh God, like the, the debate on abortion. I'm just going to drop all the words that we're not supposed to say <laughs> on YouTube. Abortion. I hate this debate. You got the people on the right going like, you know, pro-life. We want, you know, protect all lives, blah, 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 which, you know, they do until the baby's born. Then there's no fucking, they don't care about welfare for you. But anyway, and on the left, they're like, no, we went crazy. You know, everybody should be, you know, all women have like the right to their body, blah, blah, blah. They're not even having the same conversation, one. And two, it completely, completely ignores the actual problem. The problem isn't abortion. The problem is, is that there's unwanted pregnancies. So let's spend our time fucking tackling that. Right. If there was a support network for all women who were like, if, if, for example, if you're a single mother, you're pregnant. If you know that you, when you have your child, that there's going to be a support network for you, that's going to motivate you much more to have that child instead of having an abortion. Right. If you know it, or if you can give that, that woman prophylactics or, or, or uh, birth control prior to her getting pregnant and prevent the problem from happening before it becomes a problem, that's what we should be focusing on. Right. But what are we talking about? We're just arguing past each other going, oh, pro-life, pro, uh, pro, pro-choice. It's like, that's not the problem. The problem isn't abortion. Abortion is a symptom of the problem. The problem is unwanted pregnancies. We need to solve that. And it's so annoying that like politicians have these forever fights because they, it rallies up their, their voters and it gets them to come out and like, rah, rah, rah. But it, does never, it never solves the actual fucking problem, which is unwanted pregnancies. What are we talking about? <laughs> Uh, we trans talking, people, right? So yeah. the very small number of trans people out there, that's not the problem. The problem is that we have categories that don't fit everybody. Right. So if we have categories that don't fit everybody, maybe we should think about the fucking categories and not those that tiny fraction of people who are, by the way, trans people are very prone to like 
you know, psychological problems from depression and, you know, uh, 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 what is it called? Um, uh, harassment and abuse and all that other stuff. The, you know, who, who wants to push these kids further to, towards the option of like suicide or something like that? You don't want to do that. So just think about the categories and redefine the fucking categories, right? It's so easy to me. I don't know. I, I look at these problems. I'm like, like, you know, when you look at politicians, politicians rarely actually try want to find a solution to something because once something's solved, it's done right? They want to find something to argue forever about. Well, I mean, their jobs are uh, description is basically like someone who's going to solve problems, right? So if all the problems are solved, then, then they don't have a job. But we have so many problems that we should start to fucking solve some of them anyway. Yeah. That's my little hot take on, on the whole trans thing. And I'm, I welcome this change because I think that, you know, there's, dude, I've been looking at TikTok way too much these days. And like the, there's kind of like this, this, kind of closening of men and women i think like recently like they used to be like incredibly polar opposites but recently especially since like uh you know k-pop influence and stuff like that like guys are becoming like i don't want to say prettier but you know what i mean they're cleaning up there's there's male makeup and stuff like that like it's not there's like there's like this kind of blurring of things right now so you don't need to have these like super strong categories like oh we can only have a lady be in this in this position well what if it was like a really hot dude what's wrong yeah. with that or, or, or a trans person. What's wrong with that? I mean, that's totally fine. As long, as long as they're doing the job and they're like super good at it, you know? Good on camera, waving with their little white gloves. Yeah. Right? Who cares? Anyway, that's my hot take. No need to stop social activities with Omicron Japan COVID advisor. This is, this is like six months late. Japan top Corona advisor said on Friday that the country no, no longer needs to fully stop social acti activities as symptoms of the currently dominant Omicron variant are less severe than those of previous strains. We probably no longer need an option like fully stopping social activities. Omi, whoever you are, uh, said, adding that people have learned how to cope with the virus after more than two years of the pandemic. However, the panel is still divided over possible restrictions on social and economic activities. Omi said, the panel will make suggestions after st stimulating, simulating changes in the number of new cases and medical situations according to various measures, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, oh yeah, you can do social stuff, but maybe not. We don't know. I don't know. Have you, have your, has your social life starting to become normal again, normalized again? Um... I think you're the only person that I've hung out with recently. <laughs> you're just you're just saying that because you don't have any friends. I have friends. I'm planning some D and D sometime soon. D and D. I actually, uh, I'm glad that you guys do D and D. It, it's 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 like D and D. I think is a really like I don't know pure peer building exercise. Mm, I think it actually does teach a <laughs> lot of things, and like I kind of want to bring D and D back into our English school for some of the higher level kids, but I still need to figure that out make D&D &D great again yeah well it's always been great <laughs> except for the satanic panic satanic panic i don't want to know okay let me let me blow through <clears throat> some of these serious stories so we can get to the fun ones at the end russian wayfinding sign and station in tokyo uncovered after criticism so basically during the tokyo olympics they had like all these like like signs in different languages pointing people where to go and they just kind of left them up mm -hmm. and then the russian one was making people uncomfortable so they covered it with paper okay and then they got criticized for doing that so they uncovered it and here's, here's my favorite, favorite line. JR East Tokyo's brands, which learned of the situation on Thursday, said it had been considering removing the foreign language signs after the Tokyo Games concluded last summer. And this is a quote, but we have yet to decide what to do. I love you, Javad. Never change. <laughs> and what they'll do is once the, the media is no longer looking at them, they'll remove them. 
Oh, they'll remove one and see if anyone says anything. They'll remove the Russian one and <laughs> yeah. just be like, does anybody notice? Uh, yeah. All right. So a couple more. A couple more here. Japan okays acid freeze of Putin's daughters. I didn't even know he had daughters, but daughters and 396 uh, other Russians. Japan cabinet approved uh, Tuesday additional sanctions against Russia, freezing the assets of 398 Russian individuals, including what the title and the article have different numbers anyway including president vladimir putin's two daughters and the wife of foreign minister sergey lavrov whatever and banning imports of vodka and other goods in step oh by the way if you guys are looking for i think it's shit uh i'll think about it later um in a step with punitive measures taken by the united states and european countries japan will freeze assets of 28 more russian organizations such as those related to military business and two more lenders sure bank and alpha alpha bank the measure for the banks will be implemented on may 12th so screw you bad actors and people with money in japan from russia i mean like i feel like all russian money just tends to be dirty i mean at this point who even wants russian money it's not worth anything well, the russians don't yeah <laughs> they can't even i mean like i feel bad for the russian people it's not yeah, their russian fault. people nothing i feel really bad for the russian people i mean obviously i feel bad for the, the ukrainians you know but like the russian people that most of them they, uh, I, there was this amazing clip on twitter uh yesterday was linked to me it's this woman they're, they're all sitting around in a panel they're having like a serious discussion on like russian state television and there's this woman she's not even that old she's kind of a and she's you know she's like very like articulate I guess because I can't understand Russian with all the subtitles. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, you know, we should remove from the constitution that prop, uh, the rule uh, banning propaganda and banning like, you know, like fake news and stuff like that. And like, she was basically saying that the government should be able to lie to us and like, look at China. They do it there and they're doing great. So we should be just like China. Are, are they doing? Well, I guess like financially they're doing well. Well, that's a long debate for a different show, but like just seeing this woman who seemed fairly intelligent advocate for such like tyrannical leadership yeah, was just like so or- Orwellian. I was just like, wow, I just couldn't. And then no, all, all of Twitter was just like, are you serious? Anyway, Japan responds, well, Japan's judo head, Mr. Yamashita, uh, responds by saying Putin's actions are not in the spirit of the sport. Listening to media reports of the inhumane acts committed in Ukraine and Russian military aggression leaves me heartbroken, he wrote on his official website. President Putin is a judoka, I think, which means like a judo like master or something. And these actions are against the spirit and the purpose of judo. This cannot be tolerated. As a judoka, my deepest sadness and thoughts are with the people of Ukraine, as well as all judo lovers around the world. I hope that these cowardly acts be halted, Yamasha said. Fuck you, Putin. Fuck you. Fun story. (laughs) (laughs) I give you all the light ones. (laughs) All right. I guess we're going to go from judo to sumo. Nice. Nice. Nice segue. 24-year-old set to become first wrestler from Elite University of Tokyo. So... Otaka Tsuyama. I hope you put pictures up for the YouTube version of this. He's he's just jacked, man. Uh, he made a little history on Friday when the student of philosophy passed the first part of his entrance test to enter pro sumo as its first apparent uh, apprentice wrestler from the University of Tokyo. So there are a bunch of different requirements to be a sumo wrestler. I think you have to be like over 170 
five centimeters, I want to say? Yeah, you have to be over a certain height. You have to be over a certain weight and your internal organs need to be good. Yes. What's, it's such a weird <laughs> like requirement. Well, I mean, like their whole sport is basically like slapping bodies, right? So Slamming into each other yeah, at so full force. If their organs are like going to be ruptured easily, it probably shouldn't be in sumo. Yeah, but how do you... Anyway, I don't know. But yeah, that's... We'll, we'll hopefully put pictures of him up. He's just like this jacked ass dude. But he said he said in the article that he wanted to be more jacked, but because gym closures due to the, the pandemic has like halted some of his progress. But yeah, like when you look at... Like you're... Uh, what do you call it? The stereotypical image of a sumo wrestler is someone who's like very large. They look like they're fat, but they're like very muscular. But well, this, they're, they're, they're bear mode, right? They're both. Yeah. This guy, he he's actually pretty jacked. Yeah, he's just like jacked. He looks like a normal wrestler, not really a sumo wrestler. So let me tell you about my my first time that I ever met two sumo wrestlers after they just got done with their sumoing stuff, and they're like in their kimono with their like cohort of fucking ladies. Yeah, I I saw them when they were at the the station, and there were just like a ton of ladies just like going crazy. Yeah, so not only are they super popular with the sumo fan lady girls, which is great for them, but I'm not short. I'm six foot two. Okay, so 183 four centimeters tall, and when I have shoes on, I'm like 187, 85, 86, seven. Okay, so I'm not short. These sumo wrestlers towered over me. Yeah. I was like, because you can't tell when you see them on TV, because they're all just kind of, they look like babies, right? Because the shape of them is like baby yeah, shape. They're so wide that yeah, they, they look, don't look that tall. They don't look that tall. But when you see them in person, they're fucking huge. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, I don't really look up at people. And when I do, it always gets my attention. And so not only am I looking up at them, they're also just gigantic. They've got their cool hair. Yeah what's it called chopa whatever it's called there's cool hair and then they got like the sumo uh, the kimono that they're wearing because they're you know no they're not sumo mode at that time but they're wearing these giant kimonos and they're just moving with this huge like gaggle of women and it's just like holy crap it just you don't it breaks your brain for a little bit because it's like you know when you see like i don't know it just it just shouldn't be there what are you researching no i was uh trying to look up what what's the food that they always eat what sumo wrestlers they they eat like a special kind of like oh it's a motsunabe i think it is no it's uh that's what it is chankonabe that's what it is yeah but it's like a super high calorie chankonabe is yeah it's like everything in it nabe it's yeah i forgot about that dude i i don't like it as i don't eat it there's a there's a restaurant here that has two sumo wrestler statues like wrestling in front of each other in front of a chankonabe restaurant really yeah and like your dad knows about it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, sumo wrestlers, like if you it's like if you ever watch them on, on, on TV, like they don't look as big as they actually are. And I was just I was actually kind of imagining when I saw those two, I was like, if he got in that sumo squat and just lunged at me, I would it's like, like getting hit by a car. No, it really is. I mean, like they're they probably weigh more than the KG Dosha cars in Japan. They <laughs> yeah. probably do. They probably can't ride in those. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're huge. I mean, they weigh like what? A hundred some odd kilograms. Well, this uh, what do you call it? The uh, what's his name? The Whatever. But he he was he was only a hundred and eighty centimeters. Yeah. And he is like a hundred and four kilos. I think it said. I mean, like, like I said, I'm like a six foot two. I I think now I weigh like seventy five k. 
and like i consider myself not i mean like don't don't get me wrong you guys back at home and you know in america like i'm small compared to a lot of americans i'd get that but in japan i'm, I'm like i'm big in japan right i'm, big <laughs> in japan. I'm like I, I weigh a lot right yeah. compared to like you know the other most of the other people here but like if you're a hundred over 100 kilograms like yeah. the wood floors don't support you you know what i mean yeah so anyway let's talk a little bit more about the negative things before we get into funny things Yen tumbles to near 20-year low. Actually, this could be positive if you're coming to Japan uh, against the U.S. dollar. We've been talking about this a lot. It's going to... Right now, it's like 126 yen to the dollar. And uh, because they keep printing money, because I don't know why, it's called ultra-easy monetary easing. (laughs) A.K.A. printing money. Uh, I guess their target is to go to one... It says dealers may test the 130 line after surpassing the 125 yen threshold, he said. The rapid weakening of the of the yen has raised concerns about the negative impact it will have on Japan's ec- economic recovery from the cor- coronavirus pandemic at a time when energy and commodity prices are rising. A weak yen in, uh, inflates import costs for the resource-scarce Japan, but helps exporters by boosting their overseas profits when brought back home. We've talked about this before. One of the weird side effects of this that I didn't really think about, like we're still paying Ricky. Yeah. His renewment his remuneration hey ricky hey ricky How's it going? but Miss like you. the amount that we're paying him doesn't change on our end but the amount that he gets on his end is like wildly fluctuating right now that sucks so he mentioned that because we we sent him like you know the, the the documents like okay payment was gone through here it is blah 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 and he's just like i think i think he said something about the war in ukraine I just, it has nothing to i don't think that has anything to do with the end right now but like he's like man that sucks i'm like that does suck i didn't think about that at all well, yeah, that sucks. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, demolition, demolition begins at iconic Na, Na Ki, Nakagin capsule tower. So this, if you guys don't know about this, this is, this is in Tokyo. And we'll put a picture of it up. If you remember. I will. Okay. It, it's, it's, ah, how would you describe it? It's a bunch of cubes with like circular windows in them. I think this is my first time ever seeing it. Really? You yeah. used to live in Tokyo. I did for two years. I didn't go out a lot. So this, this, you didn't go out. I didn't have any friends. I didn't go anywhere. This building is iconic and a lot of uh, tourists, especially foreign tourists, would go there and take a picture in front of it. And it was built during the 19... Uh, It was built 50 years ago, okay? And the idea was that each one of those cubes were supposed to be removed because they're just bolted onto a central core, those cubes, Okay. The idea is that they're supposed to be removed every 25 years and replaced with newer versions of themselves. And how many times do they do that? Zero. Not once. Okay. But that's what, that was the idea. Like this was, this was conceived by this crazy architect as being like a, like a, what is it called? Like a, uh, there's a word for this, a modular, a modular building. So you could remove parts of it and replace it. That's pretty cool actually. And the interiors of each one of these cubes would change with it. Right. But they never, ever did anything with it. Oh, that's that's a waste. Yeah. It says, built around two central cores, each capsule is secured to the structure using uh, four high-tension bolts to make it easily removable and attachable. Each castle, ca- capsule has a space of around 10 square meters uh, outfitted with furnishing, fur- furnishings and appliances. Until the coronavirus pan- uh, pandemic, it was common to see foreign tourists taking photos outside the capsule tower building. Now I got a little uh, shout out to my good friend, Norm. He's got on, I think it's on Tokyo uh, Lens Explore. He's got two channels. One's Tokyo Lens, one's Tokyo Lens Explore. I think he does, he he gives like one last look at it before they take it down. And I think it's on Explore. If if you can find it, just link it in the description. Okay, I'll I'll take a look. It was like, it was like posted like 
couple like a day like a week ago or something like that but yeah norm went like walks around talks about it it's like really interesting and it's like an iconic part of tokyo and it's going away forever i mean like dude akihabara is boring now yeah the capsule thing is gone or is going to be gone what are they doing in tokyo man didn't they also get rid of the like one of the last wooden stations uh, from akihabara too like really i don't i didn't hear that but maybe I, i think that was like a year or two ago but they used to have like a I feel, I'll, I'll look it up later but I, th- I think they had like a wooden station or something it was some kind of like historical station and they got rid of it recently too there's also the um what you call it the sega building is gone oh yeah that's gone ah so many things are changing and it's, it kind of makes you sad because like i did really like all that crap <laughs> but now yeah. oh dude if you guys have not seen the anime rick and morty they like made it Rick and Morty. They they asked Rick and Morty's producers, I think, asked a Japanese animation company to make a Rick and Morty, and it's we, on YouTube. We 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 talked about it before. No, if, it just Rick and Morty animated. Just find. I think there's several of them. Okay, the, there's several of them. They're all shorts. They're like compact episodes. They're all in Japanese, but they're translated into English with the subtitles. The one where they where Rick and Morty go to Japan and go to Akihabara is the fucking best one. It's so good. It's like a it's like a two hour long anime movie contained in like a fifteen minute like incredibly making fun of anime, anime short. My favorite part about it was when they like, they had that girl that uh, at the end with the stamp. Uh, the girl that like what do you call it? Uh, Maid Cafe. Yeah, Morty was like obsessed with her from Maid Cafe, and then like they had a flashback from like flashback from thirty or forty years ago when she was a child, and it's like, wait, you're how old? (laughs) It's like, yep. It's so good. You guys got to watch it if you haven't seen it. But it, why are we talking about it? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of the j- running jokes in there. They keep saying like, oh, yeah, about it's super boring now, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, let's go to a story from you. All right. Well, they're getting rid of all those cool old things, but they're adding in Tokyo's Ginza, an all-you-can-eat restaurant in Starbucks. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I, I mean... I've never been to a Starbucks that sells food other than like the crappy sandwiches that cost like 10 bucks. Have you ever seen a Starbucks that sells like normal food? No, it's always just like pastry shit that's going to give you diabetes. Yeah, but apparently they have like an Italian inspired menu. There's like liver and pasta and pizza and sausages and it only costs 3000 yen or as you said before, because the yen is... So weak right now, only twenty four dollars, twenty four U.S. dollars. You can and there's no time limit, so you can just sit there as long as you want, eat well, as much as you can. People do sit at Starbucks forever, but it's only from five p.m. and only one beverage is included in the deal, so it's not all you can drink, just all you. It's can just eat. all you can eat. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange that they did this in a Starbucks. If you've never listened to the podcast, how I built this, if you if you like decide to start listening to that one. The introductory episode that I uh, recommend is this, the founder of Starbucks um, because they, in that podcast, they talk about how these founders of, of, you know, movements and organizations and companies, mostly companies like created their, their thing. Starbucks is really interesting because the Starbucks founder and CEO was like kind of like a Steve jobs figure where he was once ousted and Starbucks started going in the wrong direction. And then he was brought back to lead it again. And one of the things that they were doing wrong when he was gone was that they were, and you, you will appreciate this. They were, they had food. They introduced a lot of food in a lot of their, uh, their, their establishments. 
And some of the food that they introduced would directly conflict with the, the aromatics of coffee. Right. And they had no idea about that. Like the people who were making these decisions didn't know what they were doing. Right. And he's like, why were you putting these things together? Like, just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that always stuck with me. And I never really thought about that. It's like, you know, you, you don't think about the aromatics of coffee, but it is a thing. Right. You know, I think it was like cheesy stuff or something like that they were putting in there. I forgot what it was, but... All right, as we're talking about food, electric chopsticks that may lower uh, make low-salt food taste salty developed by Meiji University. How? What? What? Food, <laughs> so here we go. Food pro- producer Keaton and Meiji University seem to agree and uh, through extensive research have developed a pair of chopsticks that can simulate the taste of salt in foods with low salt content. This still unnamed device does this simply by sending a weak electrical current right into your food. The trick was finding just the right electrical waveform that affects the ions such as sodium chloride that are responsible for salty taste so that it, that the salty, saltiness they produce is enhanced. Um, a, as an added bonus, the current, uh, the, this current also affects the ions in monosodium glutamate, also known as MSG, also known as awesome the thing that makes most asian food taste good yeah which is responsible for the umami flavor in foods like miso soup so there's this huge thing like anti-msg thing in uh in 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 america well there was but what i love about uncle roger if you haven't seen that youtuber check him out i love uncle roger one of the things he says he i can't do his accent but he says msg is like salt on crack He just says that every time. Oh man, me and me and my Chinese friend were like watching like all of his videos on like because he watches videos of people like teaching how to make Chinese food, right? And he just shits on them. And like the worst one was the BBC lady. Oh Oh, yeah, like she was straining rice with the what was it called? Colander. Colander. Anyway, that was that was fun. But anyway, so would you use these electric chopsticks? You don't have to worry about your salt intake yet. You're still... I don't know. I'm turning 30. You're still young and snappy. I mean, it's kind of cool, though. I kind of want to try it just to see, like, what it does. Like, if it actually works. If it actually works? Yeah. What if it did? And, like, everything tastes salty until you remove the chopsticks from your mouth. And it's just like, oh, it's bland now. Well, it, it's... It said that it's adding the uh, signals into the food. Right. So, you have to put it... in While it, it's in your mouth, and then when you remove it, it's it. I think it goes away. I don't know. Well, I'd like to try it. It seems pretty cool. Hey, Mitch, have you ever been suspended for selling cows? Not that I know of. (laughs) Well, a Japanese teacher was suspended for selling a lot of cows (laughs) without telling the school. When I I chose these stories today, I linked all of them to him. And some of the headlines are in the URLs. Yeah. And like Josh just copies that part of the URL and sends it back to me. (laughs) He's like, what is this? So for um, in Nagasaki, a... 48-year-old teacher, uh, I guess they had a barn at the school where they raise animals. It's probably an agricultural school because it's an unnamed school, but it's probably an agricultural high school. But he apparently, uh, when a bunch of cows are born, he didn't report uh, 62 of them as being born and he just sold them privately for roughly $30,000. And he just kept all the money. As you do, how how are, how do you sell a cow without people noticing? How do you sell sixty two cows without <laughs> people? Noticing? My favorite part is just the headline. It says, 
for selling a lot of cows. It's, yeah, like, like, it's so random. It, yeah, it's like, here, let me read it. It's like, Japanese teacher suspended for selling a lot of cows without telling the school. It's just so weird. This is, anyway, this is from the Asahi Shimbun, so it's like, legit. It's real news. Yeah. It's not fake news. It's real news, probably. I don't know, like, but dude, you, you know, I was, I've said this before on the show, but like rich people, like, cause I'm from Vegas, so a lot of rich, you know, oligarch like people come in all the time. You ask them like, what do you do? It's like that YouTuber who goes around and asks people like in oh, yeah, cool yeah. cars, what yeah. they do. They are either just inheriting their wealth from other people or their family or whatever, or they do really boring shit. Like one of the richest persons I've ever met, he makes screws. Right. He fucking makes screws. For? Shit. Just just everybody any, needs any screws. Kind of... How many screws are in this room? A thousand? Probably. Right? Yeah. You never thought of that. He makes screws. He owns a giant villa that overlooks Disneyland in California. It's an equestrian neighborhood. So people ride around in fucking horses. horses? <laughs> he makes screws. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs screws. The, right? the, 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 uh, our, our vice president that posted that thing on Instagram about me. Yeah. I took her there. Right. And she just looked around and she was disgusted. She's like, why does any human need to live in this giant place? Hey, if you can do it. He makes screws. Yeah, well, this guy sells cows. <laughs> I mean, hey, $30,000 for one year's worth of cows. And it's like not even all the cows that were born, too. These are just the ones that he didn't report. And he was only suspended for six months. Well, it's like he didn't need to work anyways because he made like a year's salary by selling well, I'm sure they cows. took the money away. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, well, another fellow educator got suspended for three months for slapping a kid. So I guess if you slap two kids, that's the same as selling 62 cows. There should be like a conversion table <laughs> for that somewhere. Uh, fun side story about cows. I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before on the show, like my friend Taro-kun who lives in Oita. I'm not sure. So I had a, I had a Nikkei Jean friend when I was from, a, because our moms were friends, Japanese moms being friends. And they were like, oh, let's put the kids together. And we're the same age. Right. Right. And his name is, uh, John, his name is Taro, jo- J- Jonathan or Taro, whichever one you want to call him. Right. And he's like full blooded Japanese. Right. And he spent a lot of his summers living in Japan and he, he speaks both languages perfectly. And like, um, and I've been friends with him since I think we were like four. And anyway, we went to the same high school, went to the same university, went to the JET program together. I came to Kagoshima. He went to Oita. Anyway, when he was a kid, this fucker, okay, because you, you've met him before, right? Never? No, well, I've never met him. you'll meet him sometime. He's really weird. But anyway, when he was a kid, he convinced all of us that when he was in Japan, he had a pet baby cow that he used to ride around in his house on. This is what he fucking told us all. And we don't know shit about Japan, so we just all fucking believed him. <laughs> And so we all, we all were like walking around with this information in our heads. This is fucker made up on a whim one day. Yeah. And then later on in adult life, I bring this up and I'm like, remember when you convinced us all that you had a baby cow when you were in Japan, and you used to ride around on it. He's like, I never said that. I'm like, you fucking said that. He doesn't remember saying it. So Taro, if you're listening to this, you fucking baby cow liar. This is just seriously. So all of us like fucking idiot white people were like, oh, so everybody in Japan has a baby cow. They ride around on it. <laughs> yeah, that's how they make their wagyu so tender. They let their children ride on the cows. See, you're saying they. You're a citizen of they. Oh yeah. <laughs> we. we. <laughs> My children someday we will have a cow. I find it hard to figure out what to do with pronouns on this show because I consider myself a, a piece of the, the community here. Obviously, right? Yeah. So, but I always say kind of like otherisms about both 
My yeah, home that's country. True. I do. Yeah, I do that for both sides. I too. do it for both America and Japan. I just consider them both. Yeah. Like foreign to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, until you ride a baby cow, then you're not really Shit. a, a have Japanese. You, how many? How many baby cows have you ridden? None. <laughs> Someday. Tokyo police post tweet to people's uh, to put people's mind at ease, but creep them out with the weird illustration. Make sure they put this in the YouTube video. The Japanese term uh, Junkai Denaku translates to patrol contact or com- patrol computer uh, communication. Uh, it's the practice in which o- officers from the local police box knock on doors of local residents and businesses to ask if they have any questions or requests about policing practices. With, with the officers offering advice about how to avoid becoming the victim of a crime and prevent accidents too. The resident is usually asked to fill out a resident resident information card um, with information such as their name and occupation, although this is optional. So this is like, um, so this is, uh, so anyway, so they, they tweeted about this and they had like this picture, this illustration, well, you know, because Japan has to make everything into manga and anime, right? Right. The problem is, is we'll put this in the, in the YouTube video, but like the problem is, is like all, it's like a mom and her kid opening the door to a police officer. And they, this, they do this like once a year. They come around, they ask who lives in your house and they take down your information and they talk to you. It's kind of weird. I don't really like it, but they do that. Okay. But you don't have to do that, right? Well, you don't have to, but they don't really, they don't really make it obvious to you that they don't, you don't have to. Oh, well, I mean, like I've never actually answered the door. Like I, like I'm always at work. Right. And then they come during the daytime. So I've never once done that. So, um, they, uh, they, so they, they come to our business as well. And so our staff talk to them. Mm. But anyway, um, so the, the picture has like mom, kid, police officer. But the th- weird thing about the picture is they don't have any noses. Okay. So they're all just like noseless people. And it's kind of creepy looking. Um, there's also another story that didn't get printed, but I'm just going to read from the from my phone. Okay. So this is in, in conjunct. This is like kind of like along the same line. This is actually a pretty serious topic. So I want to talk about this. 63% of people with foreign roots in Japan questioned by police. So a total of 62.9% of people in Japan with foreign roots were questioned by police over the past five years. Uh, pl- pl- preliminary results of a recent Tokyo Bar Association survey showed with the group saying that the outcome is evidence of biased behavior by police officers. The survey on r- uh, racial profiling drew responses from 20, uh, about 2000 people with roots in foreign countries. So basically foreign people, right? Um, the association said it conducted a poll after receiving complaints that many such people have been questioned by police, apparently due to their appearance. Well, you said basically foreign people, but that also includes, uh, people like me who are mixed, but are like maybe born in Japan. So like Hayato, for example. Right, right. So what, what, what this means with like people that don't look Japanese, like they're, 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 they're dancing around the, the not saying that, but that's what it means. Right. Okay. So let me ask you. So. Uh, I obviously look like a super saiyan, okay? So I stand out, don't yeah. really fit into the Japanese mold. You're kind of like... Questionable. You're like, yeah. is he... Can I speak to him in Japanese? I mean, so what's your experience with the, with the police? With the police? Um, I've never... I've only had two problems or two run-ins with the police. Not really problems. One was like, I didn't see that... Uh, this really tiny street that was like the size of this table had a crosswalk sign and it was red. I didn't even see it. And I crossed it on my bike and then the police was like, hey, you. 
And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. And that was the end of it. Yeah. The other one was the time that I got chased down the street by a guy who pretended to have a knife. And then I, I contacted the police. Those are the only two times I've talked to police in Japan ever. So I'm fine. So I'm, so we live in a different, we don't live in Tokyo, but I've, I've only been stopped once and it was pretty annoying. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was like walking home with my shopping, right? So I have like my shopping bags. And like this dude's like, hey, you show me your, because we, we have to, before we had to carry like a, a, a gaijin card. Yeah, foreigner card. But uh, now everybody just has a, their residence card, which Japanese people don't have to carry, but foreign people do, which is so stupid. I really hate that, that rule. But anyway, and so he's like, show me your gaijin card. And I was just like, okay. And I had to put all my shopping down on the fucking sidewalk in the summer, show him my card. And he asked me some questions and I was just like kind of annoyed with him. I don't really like police officers. And I was kind of like annoyed with him. And I was like giving like kind of like half-ass response to him because I didn't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And then finally he's like, where do you work? And I just like told him a general area. Didn't tell him that anything about myself. And that was it. Like that's the only time I ever had a problem with, not even a problem, just a run in with it. But I had been stopped. Like because I am a Japanese citizen I've always like kind of half wished that they would be like, hey, you foreign guy, show us your car. And I'd be like, Fuck bitch, <laughs> my name's Morinaga. <laughs> but it's like one of those things like like when I turned 20 in Japan, I had my my ID and I was all excited. Like, oh, they're going to ask me for my ID. They, I've never once been asked for my ID in Japan. Um, I've only been carded when it's like when I'm signing up and registering for something. Yeah. Or when I'm in hotels, when they, when you go to a hotel, they always ask me for my passport and I'm like, here's my driver's license. That's Japanese issue. And they're like, Oh, you live in Japan. I'm like, yeah. They're like, Oh, we don't need anything from you. You're fine. I'm like, thank you. But yeah, that's yeah. But anyway, um, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because this was posted on Reddit and there's comments. So, uh, you guys, if check this out on, on r slash Japan news, but, um, so a lot of people in here from different, like basically everybody's indicating what color they are and how many times have they been stopped. Okay. So like, um, okay, so here's one. It's like, I'm, I'm in the multiple times. This is a, a, a Reddit user 9x blue. I'm in the multiple times per year category. One really infuriating experience. Others just mildly annoying. The most hilarious experience was being stopped on my bike for supposedly not having a light on when it was automatically on at all times. Meanwhile, high school kids with earphones in both ears zooming past me and the cops. Uh, I've been so this is from uh, Reddit user Voodoo You. Uh, I love it when the news reads like Twitter and like uh, Reddit handles. It's like. One's like, I don't even want to say it. Anyway, I've been stopped well over 10 times in the first few years living in Tokyo. I live in a smallish suburb of Tokyo where there are no Americans as far as I, I've ever seen. And I took, I think it took every cop here to stop me for BS reasons to, to then know who I am. Since then, I haven't been stopped in over five years. So just, anyway, there's just like lots of different people commenting. But the one, the one common thread is basically if you live in a, major metropolitan area or the suburbs of that area you constantly get stopped if you live in the middle of butt foot nowhere then you don't get stopped my my roommate did get stopped when i lived in saitama he's a argentinian guy uh he's of european descent oh so he's white and he got stopped by the police and they were like get, like questioned him for like 10 15 minutes or something like that because a foreigner like stole something in uh what do you call it in 
in nearby where we lived and he was like they asked him all these questions like hey was it you was it you and they're really pushing himself like that but then we found out afterward that they had like video of the guy in the first place and it was someone that was like completely ethically uh not ethically uh a different color different color than him and like a completely different size <laughs> by like like over a foot different he's like very tall and it was like a short person that was a completely different color than him and they knew that going in and then they were still like was it you was it you and they questioned him for like 15 minutes which makes no sense yeah japanese police <laughs> are both incredibly polite and you know nice people and then also sometimes like when you hear these stories you're like are you competent at your job yeah you know because they don't really deal with crime that much what they usually do is like give people directions right right so like that kind of stuff is they're great you know what really freaks me out when you go to train stations and they got the cop on the box with the with the pole like he's just like intimidating you i don't know what they're supposed to be doing have you ever seen that? I don't think I've ever noticed. That. So they have like a box, like a like a like a like a step ladder thing. They stand on top of that with like a like a stick in their hand. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, are you defending something? Is this a game? <laughs> like, anyway. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, most of my interactions with, with Japanese police have been positive. We called the police when we saw a uh, passed out man in a next to our building. We were concerned for his safety, and they came and they woke him up and like. They're like, hey, what's your ID? Give me your ID. And the dude gave him his bus pass, which doesn't have any information on it whatsoever. It was pretty funny. I think he got home okay. I have. Uh, my my kind of like, I don't want to, how would I describe him? Let's just call him a gray zone character. You know, you, you wouldn't think that he would like cops, but he's, a, he's an establishment owner. He's like a bartender. He's kind of like rough around the edges type person. He loves cops. And I asked him why. I was like, why do you love cops? Like most people get annoyed with cops. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I call them and they come running to rescue me if I ever have a problem and I don't have to pay them anything. And I was like, when you think about it like that, mm. you know, so anyway, but most of the time, guys, even if you do get, I don't think that you're going to get stopped if you come here as a visitor or whatever, but like, you know, they're usually really nice. I remember being in Tokyo and being drunk out of my mind and walking into a Koban. I was like, excuse me. I was like, do you know where my hotel is? <laughs> and I just showed them my hotel key. And then they like politely like showed me where my hotel is. And I was like, thanks guys. So they, they you know. That was nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> that was like 15 years ago. All right. Let's go to your two stories and then I'll end on, on the luxury train. Uh, this is a single story, but. Okay. Uh, so the next story is about my favorite Japanese TV show. Like I'm not even being sarcastic. This is my favorite Japanese TV show. Oh God. So only enough. Netflix show sparks a global debate on parenting and child what, safety. What's the Jap- Japanese title? Hajimete Otsukai? Hajimete no Otsukai, yes. So it's basically a uh, TV show that they've had from forever ago in Japan. It means my first errand. Yeah, where they, uh, what do you call it? They find parents who have like little kids that are between the ages of two and five usually. And they have them do, they give them a quest. It's like, go to the fish market and buy some fish because mom is busy. And like the kids don't realize they're on a TV show and they have like a hundred people that are dressed up as just like random pedestrians or working at the shops or whatever, or policemen or whatever with cameras. And they just film the kids who are mic'd and they don't realize they're mic'd, like going to the store for their mom. And it's just like, it's my favorite show. It's so cute. I cry every time. It's so cute. So 
Yeah. So that's the positive side of it. But yeah. the criticism, so what happens is this is this has been going on for years in Japan. Okay. This is, show is really old. And the, the Japanese moms love watching this because it's like it's Hold on. Uh there are pigeons attacking. <laughs> you should keep that in the show. We have a pigeon problem over there. Anyway, um I forgot. Oh, so so they it's like the first time the child is separated from mom basically and it's giving them a quest something to do it's usually going to the store and it almost always ends in the kid crying a lot <laughs> yeah now this was totally fine as long as we were keeping it a secret in japan netflix decided to translate it and put it on netflix and all of a sudden the whole world is in like shock and disgust over this not everyone like there's a lot of debate about it like some people are concerned thinking like they're allowing little kids to cross the roads by themselves but the truth is like they have like it says that they plan for months and months ahead of time and they have like a hundred people that are like basically guiding the kids along the way so it's completely safe it's literally a truman show little truman show for the kid it's all fake except for the, the i did see one episode that i did think was like actually dangerous where it was like a two-year-old little girl and then her big brother was like four or something and they had to ride a ferry out uh because they lived on a little island or something they had to ride a ferry that came like once every three hours or something and there was like a small typhoon and it was just like pouring rain on them and then they missed the ferry and then they were like just stranded for like over an hour while it was like pouring rain on them and i was like wow like and like the the little girl's just crying the entire time and the brother's just like like dead in the eyes just like i gotta bring my sister back home <laughs> that one episode i was just kind of like oh god what's happening so there's debate on the twitterverse about is this child abuse basically right like are they exploiting these children the answer is yes yes they are they totally are but is it okay <laughs> yes i love that show it's my favorite show if you haven't watched it once again it's called old enough on netflix go watch it it's so cute i it's so wholesome I, I cry every time. I seriously do. You call it wholesome. It's so wholesome. If you don't think about it too deeply, it's really wholesome. It's it's good. But here here's the here's the flip side of that. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate saying that it's like it's like really bad, but here's the here's the flip side of that. If my mom put me on that show when I was three and I had that video now, that would be a treasure. I always like Okay, the thing is that they do keep it a secret. And then like they have like a like a reunion thing where they go back and they like show the kids like 10 years later or something like that. And a lot of times they show the kids like, yeah, this is your video. And then they watch it and they're like, what? This is me? <laughs> like, this is a common thing. And like, I always like... You're really into this. <laughs> I, like, I watched the show when I was a kid and then I always thought like, what if I what if I have an episode and I like always waited like growing up like oh am I gonna see it someday and I don't know maybe they're still holding out come on dad I know you watch the show <laughs> where's my episode I remember going to Mr. Donuts buying donuts when I was like four no that's just because your dad didn't want to do it himself <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but like that's uh, okay I mean yeah I mean they do they do protect the kids there it is like a controlled environment Right. You know, when we see car commercials, it's always like, this was filmed in a closed track. Please do not attempt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Um, but uh, I don't know. There there are some really cute moments in this show. I think in one of the, the first episodes on the Netflix one, it's like a kid trying to like, 
he's like trying to take fish home or something like that and he drops them and then like he tries to go get mom to help but then he hears a cat meow and he's like oh shit he's gonna eat the fish and he's like what do i do yeah. and he's like four <laughs> those interactions are like my favorite you're thing. gonna cry right now I, thinking I about it. you're think such about a it. sucker i love that show anyway i mean it is really adorable and if you want to like see kind of like an inside view of japan it's really really good but yeah it's cute I love that. Anyway, I'm going to go home and watch it tonight. Yeah, you go watch it with your fiance. All right, last show, uh, last story today is going to be Japanese sightseeing train offers amazing luxury. This is where Alex would debate the the meaning of luxury uh, for prices starting at 1.3 million yen or about ten thousand dollars. So this this is a train. I've seen the outside of this train. Never been on it. Uh, if you remember, please put some photos from the article and the YouTube thing of this. It's basically this luxury train that is all wood and really cool looking on the inside. And it goes, it basically, it, it's called Seven Stars, Nanatsu, tsu, uh, Nanatsu Boshi. So exactly what it sounds like, Seven Stars. And uh, it, it's basically a Kyushu train. And it usually starts in Fukuoka and then it goes to various locations around Kyushu and then goes back to Fukuoka. And um, right now, it's on the Kirishima course, which comes here to Kagoshima from Fukuoka. It goes, uh, let's see, it goes, oh, it's a, uh, sorry. It's from October into December. The train will be offering four-day, three-night Kirishima course starting in Hakata, that's in Fukuoka, then heading east to Oita, where my friend Taro lives, who rides cows, uh, south to Hayato, that's where we are in Kagoshima, uh, and then uh, then staying at a Ryokan Inn in Hayato, and then coming back to uh, Saiki uh, before returning to uh, Hakata. And on the on the the train, there's a tea room, there's a bar lounge, there's a gallery shop, and then there's like you get there's a room. It's like it's incredibly luxury luxurious. It says the level level of luxury obviously carries a a, a huge price. Uh, rates vary by by exact room type, but range between one point. 25 to 1.7 million yen or 10,000 to 13,000 uh, 14,000 US dollars. I can't even imagine spending so much money on something like that. Like I don't know, it's like something I I can't even imagine it spending that much money okay. on like a ticket. Well, let's just get out of our tax brackets for a minute here and okay. get up to like, you know, if you're making if your annual income, right, is like I don't know. 20, 30 million dollars. Okay. Okay. It doesn't even have to be that big. It could be five million dollars. Okay? okay. So you're you're comfortable. You're not ultra rich, but you're comfortable. Okay. Five million dollars income. I mean, ten thousand dollars is a very small little percentage of that. Yeah. So it is. it's just pennies to these people. Gotta sell some cows. <laughs> it's like, you know, what do they say? Like if you go to a restaurant and you have to ask the price, you can't afford it. Yeah. Right. Like I think it's Nobu in Vegas famously didn't have prices on the menu or something like that. And it's just like, you're like, how much is it? Like, then you can't afford it. You should just go to a different restaurant, sir. No, but you know, there it's, it's, it's a different world. Those people are just on a different level, you know? And they're like, when you talk to Alex, he deals with these people sometimes. Right. He's like, they're very difficult to please. Well, I mean, if you're paying $10,000 for a ticket, then I mean, better be worth ten thousand dollars what was his name hef hefner what was the playboy guy hugh hefner hugh hefner i think that's his name you know i always thought about his life i mean how much did that dude like how many chicks did he go through 
I mean, is that something I can Google? Let's find out. But after how many times do you just get bored of it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So like for him, it's almost like sex was ruined. Yeah, I can I can see that. You know that show something about Raymond? I think it is. Or everybody everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody. That's what it is. Like there was like this episode where he's like, oh my God, the, the wife is going to have sex with me today. It's like the whole episode, just like the one time that they're going to have sex. Yeah. Like if you're on that level, the one time that you do get laid, it's like the best thing in the world, right? right. But if you're Hugh Hefner, it's like a morning, afternoon and evening thing with different people. It's like, who cares anymore, right? It Did, says he slept with about a thousand girls and more in his lifetime. I don't know what the and more means, but it doesn't say a thousand or more girls. This is a thousand girls and more. Again, like you just get, you get humans have this amazing capacity to, to adapt to their current situation. Yeah. You know, like things are only amazing and things are only fresh for like a day. And then all of a sudden you adapt to it. Like you're going to feel like your new apartment is so spacious and so wonderful. And then like a month from now, you're going to be like, oh, it's so small. I want a different place. Like that. It's just humans have this capacity to do that. Yeah. And so if you're like, if you're well off to do, you got money. I mean, it takes a lot to please you. And that, I don't know if that is actually a good thing. Well, I mean, I kind of agree with you, but I don't think it is all people. Like, I think there is, what do you call it? You should just like learn to like what you have, right? Well. Like, what do you call it? Settle, basically. (laughs) I mean, like that's you hear really that the, people fucking settle. Well, it's advice it, from Josh. It's a, it's a, I think it's a Bo Burnham song. Actually, it's like if you want to find love, then then settle. Yeah, and that it's not just for love, but for everything. I think like if you're always gonna want more and more and more, then you're never gonna be happy. So you just gotta look at what you have and be like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the right attitude is to have. I'm always looking for something. I, I don't get motivated by money. I don't get motivated by sex. I don't get motivated by fame. The only thing that motivates me is when something is interesting to me. When I was on TV, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. Everybody's going to know me. That was actually a really annoying side effect of being on TV. Like going, you saw this. Yeah. Going, everybody's like, oh, I saw you on TV. Hi. That's really annoying. The thing that was interesting to me about TV is that something I never did before and I didn't know if I could do it. So I was just like, because it's live. I'm fucking speaking a foreign language live on TV. Have to be funny and charming. And I was like, this might be fun. And it like was really, really interesting until I got really good at it. And then it got really boring. Yeah. I was like done with it. After my first like six months of doing it, I was just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Like that, that's the only thing that rewards me. You've seen this in my work life. I'm like next projects, next projects. And they're like, oh, we're still on that next. Pro- I do, that's, it doesn't motivate me. So your advice of settling doesn't work for me. Well, I mean, that's a different thing, though. Like, when it comes to, like, food and stuff like that, like, you're not going to eat something that's expensive and the next day be like, I need to eat something more expensive, otherwise it's not good. Like, Well, expensive doesn't necessarily mean good. Just like, you know, your next experience or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I just... For me, I don't know. I, I... The thing that I like about being in management is that there's usually the last couple of months have been kind of quiet, but usually there's problems. Like every day there's like fresh problems. So it's like fun for me to solve. It's like a crossword puzzle every day. Well, challenging yourself is different than like not being satisfied because challenging yourself is a way that you find satisfaction in your life. Right. But 
what I'm saying is like someone who is never satisfied in their in their material wealth or the things they have. Those people are never going to be happy. Uh, there's a difference between material satisfaction and just like emotional satisfaction. Yeah. But yeah, collecting things and getting rich will not make you happy. They will just exacerbate and, and magnify your existing problems. I mean, Bezos, look at him. He, he wrote a, a, a penis into space to try to get like some happiness. Dude, I was so pissed off at him. He got Shatner to go into space. And Shatner, fucking James T. Siberius, whatever, Tiberius Kirk. Okay. Went to space, came back down. And it's like the cameras are rolling and, and, and William Shatner goes to say something profound and moron Bezos with a stupid hat and, and champagne starts talking over him. Watch the video clip. You're like, you yeah, I haven't seen fucking it. asshole. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I'm like, no one wants to hear you and your crazy billionaire laugh, which is also a meme on the internet. Yeah. Like fucking let Shatner talk. Anyway, and see, he just ruined the moment completely. I was just like, you fucker. Went to space with your space penis. I mean, that was one phallic-looking rocket. Hey, whatever. <laughs> if you could go to space, would you go? Um, I don't think so. Like, it's my the same problem with me and airplanes. Yeah. Like, when you're you're in a car and there's a problem, like even if you're a passenger, there's a chance that you can like fight for your life if there's a problem, right? Like the driver passes out. Like, okay, I can I can grab the steering wheel. <laughs> if I'm in a rocket that's going to space, oh no, the person in charge has like gone unconscious. I'm just like, I'm dead. The rocket Bye, is almost in, in, like entirely automated anyway. Oh yeah, I know. Nobody but does anything. Like, uh, what I'm saying is like, I losing complete control yeah. is scary. Like, you see the video of that Chinese plane falling out of the sky? Straight nosedive like this. Yeah. See, like in that situation, like. I'm going to be like, hey, God, it's me. Like, <laughs> no, I haven't talked to you in 20-something years. We literally live next to a volcano that, you know, 10,000 years ago exploded and covered the entire island of Kyushu with 20 feet of ash. I know. If that happens again, <clears throat> I'm just like... That's the same thing you should do on a plane. You're on a plane, it's like, oh, well, I can't do anything. Let's go over the ground. Boop. I mean, this, then, what, what are you going to do? They, they, they talk to people in some of these situations where, like, you know, it's like death is imminent, but then they survive randomly. And like a lot of these people talk about how like once you realize that you're going to die, it just becomes this kind of calm, which is really creepy. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. I was just saying that like this episode got very like philosophical. Because you started talking about this. I was just trying to have a McDonald's coffee and talk about a luxury train. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Anyways. Anyway, that's been today's show. <laughs> I think we went on for an hour and a half. These longer episodes actually get more uh, listens and views, so. I think people put us on in the background and then do something and ignore us. Probably. Don't ignore us or do ignore us. Wait, what do we remember at the beginning of the show? Don't subscribe. Don't don't become a patron. We got a new patron. We did. Thank you. What are we gonna do with all this? I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna save up and get the the podcast microphones. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that we we're gonna buy a train ticket. No. We just need to save up for like 10 years. I have no intention of ever going on that train, even if I could afford it. <laughs> like the concept to me just doesn't, doesn't resonate. I don't do luxury. Like I don't get it. Like when people are like, this is my luxury car. I'm like, you mean your non-agile, hard to drive car? Like I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Anyway, that's been today's show. Thanks uh, for listening. Yep. And special thanks to our new patron, Ellen. Ellen. Yes. Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. I still 
think that we should do like like a live Q&A sometime. Yeah, I mean, this is like our patrons. We have a Discord where we chat with them sometimes. And like, it's this continuous cycle of like, when can we do it? Well, we're available during these times. Like, well, we're on the other side of the world. And they're saying like, maybe if it's a nighttime thing in Japan, we can do something. So we we'll probably do, do like a... We could do it during like Golden Week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Because then be we don't have, you know, you don't work during that week. And then we could just like do something at three o'clock in the morning. Maybe we could blitz and do it. Well, yeah, that's what they're saying is like, it'd be cool if we did uh, something like the Reddit uh, uh the, episode the, that we did. The RPAN. Yeah, where we're drinking and that could be cool. chatting with them. So That'd be cool. Patrons will... Let's drink and talk about stuff. Yeah, and uh, I I got uh, an email actually from one of our listeners. Uh, he sent me his, his resume. Thank you for that. Uh, by the way, again, if you are living in Japan and you are uh, looking for employment, we are looking at resumes at least. Yeah. Uh, so send your resume to Mitch at Stableton.me uh, and, uh, and I'll take a look at it. Anything else you want to talk about? Good luck with your move. Thank you. Try not to go on crazy. I'm going fishing tomorrow. See ya. That sounds like fun. All right, guys, that's been our show. Thanks for listening and watching. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. A big thank you to our patrons, Jan Myler, Jen, Spiral in Your Eyes, Justin Perkins, and Ellen. Thank you guys so much for your support. Couldn't do it without you.